Welcome to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, sponsored by our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty here in Washington, D.C., a program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking to kingdom citizenship, bold biblical principles for a robust public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Greg Seltz. Good day, good day, Washington, D.C., and friends of the program all around the country. I'm Greg Seltz. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert, where every week we try to cut through the noise and take on the issues, especially the public issues that matter to you, people of faith. We try to rely on the wisdom of the Word of God for the sake of the culture and the mission of the church, or as we like to say here at the LCRL, we're trying to put our temporal liberties to work for the sake of the eternal liberties of God for all. On today's program, we are privileged to talk with a protector of life, a man who stands and serves in some of the harshest places where young women uh, are, are going. And sometimes, you know, they just need to hear that there's another way. There's another alternative to the brutality of abortion and that there's a God who cares desperately about them as well. He's a speaker, author, co-founder of the Catholic ministry, The King's Men, Mark Hauk, and we're talking to him today specifically because a lot of you know he's been in the news. The trial just ended, the verdict came down, and uh, he was exonerated. But uh, so, welcome, Mark. Greg, thanks for having me. It's great to meet you and and share with your audience uh, uh, the journey. So it's yeah. been a wonderful journey and grace filled. So happy to talk about it. What a journey! Well, before we get to the case, and just folks, for if you don't know about this, you need to. Before we get to the abusive justice department, the misuse of the face act, and more importantly, the not guilty verdict, Mark, tell us how that ice cream tasted that you shared with your family after the trial ended. Oh, wow! Well, the kids love blizzards from Dairy Queen, so you know we upgraded from the kitty size to the small size just to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's but your I, favorite? What's your favorite blizzard? Uh, I'm partial to the Heath Blizzard myself. Okay, that's close. I'm a Butterfinger Blizzard guy. I I love them. And you know, in St. Louis, where this DC radio program is also on the air, they have this company, Ted Drews where they make these, they call them uh, concretes. And I think that was pre-Blizzard. And so if you're ever in St. Louis, you got to get Ted Drew's. Concrete, Blizzard, I love them. Well, listen, I, I know that had, to, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to start with that is that in one of the articles that I read uh, for prep today, it, it humanized you. You know, it actually kind of tried to paint the right picture of who you are. And that doesn't mean you do everything right, but it tried to say, this is who this guy was. And, you know, you're a family guy, you're a guy who actually was protecting your 12-year-old son. And then I read another article, and this was the one in the Philadelphia Inquirer, where you were just this beast of a provocateur who beat up an older guy. And, and you know, you start to go, man, how come they can't just tell it like, you know, call it like they see it uh, and, and let us make our decision? So, Talk about the case. I know you're every Wednesday there at the, the clinic. Talk about how this case came about. Yeah, well, all glory be to God for the, the journey in the last uh, year and a half. So to back up on October 13th, 2021, uh, is when this incident took place that was, you know, the culmination in the in the court proceeding. Uh, it, it was just a normal day, just another day for my son and I to go into the city uh, he has he's part of the Philadelphia Boys Choir, so he's got rehearsal in the evening. And so we just for the past two years leading up to that, we would go into the city together and 
we'd pray together and and have some time, some father son time, and it was a very special time for him, he and I, and we did our thing and we'd go pray and and spend about three or four hours in front of the uh, abortion facility. Well, on this particular day, uh, the one of the volunteer escorts who I've known for twenty years mm-hmm. um, was was becoming overly aggressive. Now he's he's. He's done this in the past, but not to this degree. He was right. harassing my son beyond uh, what was normal for him. And uh, with repeated requests to leave him alone, uh, he would not do that. Wow. So, um, you know, there was video on it. And, and in that video, you see me directing him to uh, to leave us be. He would not do that. In fact, he kept uh, baiting me, provoking me to uh, to do something. And right. uh, as a father, my wife even said, you know, let people know that as your wife, I would have wanted you to do what you did. Because right. Protecting your son. It was a, it was really an issue of father's rights, you know, a, parent, a parent's rights to, to protect the, not only the innocence of a son, but just to protect them. My son was afraid. My son was scared. Uh, he positioned himself right next to my son and slung insults at me and to my son about me. Uh, it just got to the point where uh, he, he was not going to stop. And then eventually right. A man has to do what a man has to do, which is to protect his boy. And that's what I did. And um, he pursued private criminal complaint. The DA in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia PD have wanted nothing to do with it. Um, you know, we have a lot more problems than a, than a shove on the street at a corner in Philadelphia yeah. uh, than, you know, for them to deal with. But it went to the court proceedings, the municipal court in Philadelphia, and it was dismissed. Five days after the dismissal, Greg, the I was served by a, a Justice Department Department official uh, with a target letter, basically saying I'm a target of a grand jury investigation. Right. Uh, have your attorneys contact the Department of Justice in Philadelphia, which we did. And my attorney, Matt Heffron at uh, Thomas More Society based out of Illinois, or he's in Omaha, but based out of Illinois, uh, said, look, you have no case. There's case law against this. Uh, but, you know, he's a peaceful man. We'll bring him into the city if you uh, right, right down to you if you want to indict him. There's no need to bring an agent out to his home. Right. So uh, that was it. We didn't hear anything from the DOJ uh, till the day they knocked on my door. The Federal Bureau of Investigation knocked on my door at 645 in the morning, Jeez. September 23rd, as I was preparing for a homeschool co-op day with my seven children and wife. And uh, I can get into that day if you'd like, but that that's kind of the background. Well, you know, the thing to the degree that you'd like to, but you know what, what bothers me again, too, is that people don't understand, you know, you th- th- there was no case here. First of all, the case is really should a 72 year old be able to do this to a 12 year old? That's really the case. And you were just saying no. And, and any person would have said no. Any law abiding person would have said, hey, leave that boy alone on top of it. Well, you're his dad who's got to say that. And I get that. But it's really interesting. The real abuse here is that everybody who was there kind of sees this really isn't a case. The guy falls down, scrapes his elbow or something like that. And and people say, hey, just, you know, we've got to figure out a way to make sure this doesn't happen again. Here comes the federal government and they're going to take they're going to take you down. And that's when people start saying, wait a minute, how can a family man who's a Christian man, who's an honorable man, who's a community man, how can that be the guy that's the target of this kind of abuse? And I think church people need to understand that that actually is rising uh, in our country today. There are certain people who think the church is a nefarious actor in the culture, and we're not. And uh, so, again, just talk about how, you know, what was it like to have the DOJ at your home at 645 when you really thought the case was behind you? 
Well, sure. My own attorney contacted me in August, the month prior, and said, have you heard from the assistant U.S. attorney? I said, no. He said, neither have I. She won't return my phone calls. So um, it was a it was a, a planned attack of terror on my family right. um, with the sole goal of humiliating me, humiliating my family, intimidating my family and uh, instilling fear in pro-life America. Right. And uh, that day, uh, again, I'll, I'll just say that, you know, over 20 federal agents and Pennsylvania state troopers were on my property surrounding my house as if I. I was, um, you know, public enemy number one. Right. And uh, they had long guns pointed at me, M16s, pointed at my wife, pointed at my children, essentially, in my home. And um, when they knocked on the door, well, they banged on the door. They didn't even declare who they were. They just said, open up. Uh, I don't even know what training they had to do that. But I said, I'm not going to open up. Who are you? Right. Eventually, they they did it again and banged again and rang the doorbell again. And uh, they said, it's the FBI, open up. So when I opened the door and I said, please stay calm. I said, I have seven babies in here. Please stay calm. I showed them my hands. And I said, what are you doing here? And they all looked at me like, well, you know why we're here. I'm like, no, I don't. Oh, you're here because I rescue babies. And then I started putting it together in my head. And uh, and, and, I, and they said, well, you know, they didn't really re- reply to that when I said that. Wow. And my wife came down and said, do you have a warrant for his arrest? Right. And they said, we're taking him with or without a warrant. So they didn't even have a warrant. Well, they did, but that oh. was their mentality. They did, right. but that was their mentality. Like, it doesn't matter. We're here yeah. to take him and we're here to do a job. Right. And uh, and and I was in, in the suburban black vehicle within 15 minutes. I asked if I could you know, put a pair of pants on. No, I asked I put some socks on. No, I was in flip-flop shorts and a t-shirt on a cold September morning. Wow. I said, can I brush my teeth? No. Can I put some deodorant on? No. They, they, they wouldn't, they just, normally that's not how things are done. They say, oh, you know, sir, finish your coffee. We're going to take you downtown. No problem. Right. And that's usually one or two agents that are with you. At least that's what I've been told. In this case, I was cuffed in front of my children and taken down, ultimately shackled at my waist, shackled at my feet, put in a room for about six hours with all, with all the shackles and chained to a table. Mm. Uh, basically they were going to, they planned to release me on my own recognizance, which means I wasn't a threat to the community that they right. were planning to do that anyway. Right. They manipulated and coerced me to give up information that I did was not willing to do. And they told me I had permission to not do, but they still did it nonetheless. And they did that to my wife. I was oh. taken to the, to the U S marshals in cuffs and shackles, shimming on the ground really uh in a in a very painful humiliating way mm-hmm. and uh i was treated like a total animal at the u.s marshals uh not innocent before proven guilty but guilty as charged and uh we're going to treat you like that so well, i was reunited with my family about 10 hours later well you know in the interesting thing about this, this is a for another program but i it just came to my mind you know we 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 are dealing with uh police abuse in the news and things like that, but we're not seeing anything like this. You know, they're not running uh video of what, what happened to you and your family over and over and over again, demanding that the government actually answer some real you know questions about why you would do this to a citizen who's really done nothing to deserve any of this. But this is the kind of stuff where if you're on one side of the political spectrum, well, this is what happens to you. the other side, not so much. And I think that is a real issue. I think you're going to be even speaking to Congress about uh some of that later on but uh but again yeah okay let me just step to a different direction because 
I don't think people understand why you're standing on the street corner. I think that's one of the things you have an opportunity to tell people, you know, why would you put yourself in a situation like this where, you know, guys like uh, Bruce Love, you know, can come and and scream epithets at you and your your 12 year old son and to try to provoke you into some kind of confrontation so he can make it like, you know, you need to be thrown in jail. But you're a person who says, no, I've got to be on that. I've got to be on that street corner. Um, Just tell people why, because I think sometimes even the pro-abortion activists, they don't understand why you're there. They really don't. Right. Well, I'm there because I'm I'm called to be there. I have a duty to be there as a as a Catholic Christian man. You know, I'm called to to uh, evangelize. Yes, I'm, I'm called to share the good news of Christ. Uh, but I'm also called to help and protect others and right. the most vulnerable in our society, the most uh, innocent, um, the, to protect the common good. To be a man in this society is to, yes, protect your family. Yes, to lead your family uh, into the knowledge of of, uh, of good and evil. Uh, mm-hmm. But in this case, I have a duty as a citizen in the area where I live to protect the common good. And the common good is to be there on the streets to share the information with women and men who are in crises, who don't think they have alternatives, and to stand in the gap for a child who cannot speak for themselves. And I've been a part of it, as I'm sure you have, Greg, over the years and know people who have. I've been a part of the the saving of, of lives whereby moms and dads choose life because they think they have hope and if we're there just to offer a little bit of hope a remnant of hope that might say one more day stay pregnant for pregnant for one more day uh and 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 let us help you You, they might find that there are other options for them so i go there as a duty uh to defend the innocent and to stand in the gap and to rescue as scripture says those that are being drugged to the slaughter a drive to the slaughter. So um, and that's the child in the womb. And that's why I'm there. Yeah. And the compassion, you know, so when, when we served, especially in New York, uh, my wife, Yvette, and I served, she was actually a counselor in, in one of the pro-life clinics there. We worked with Cardinal O'Connor and the Catholic Church. I, you know, this is we're the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty, but we are on the front lines with you on a lot of these issues. That's for sure. And, you know, just the compassion to, you know, people used to say, well, you don't care about the mother. You don't care about this. You don't care about that. And we said, okay, well, what if, what if you come in and and you bring that child to term? Uh, We've got a job for you and you can do at the end of the, you know, when you bring the baby to fruition, you can either keep the child or you can give it up for adoption. We're not going to demand either way, but choose life, choose life. And we'll come alongside of you and do whatever it takes. You know, people forget that that you guys, especially the Catholic Church on this, have been willing to go to the nth degree of service and care to tell these women and sometimes these men and women in crisis who think, like you said, they have no other option and and that baby just is getting in the way. Um, I just think that's a beautiful thing. And again, you're there because of compassion. You're not a provocateur. That's what bothered me about the Philadelphia Inquirer article. They wanted to paint you as this this guy who's there screaming at people walking into the abortion clinic. In reality, I've been screamed at more by pro-abortion activists than we've ever seen pro-life activists. Pro-life activists generally are gentle, kind, and just saying, hey, we can help. Quick question. There's a pro-life clinic right around across the street, isn't there? 
Well, that's right. And that's one of the places where we'll take women. And on this particular day that this incident happened, I was escorting two women over there, uh, sharing that information with them when when uh, Mr. Love, you who you alluded to, uh, interfered with my First Amendment and Faith Act rights to bring <laughs> and escort people to uh, alternatives to abortion and pregnancy resource centers. So so it's great that we have them there and it's and it's been a wonderful story and uh, to share with the women so that they know they have immediate attention and concern. Wow. And we can draw bring them right into an appointment or at least a consultation to begin that conversation. And I've said to moms and dads that are there, I said, you know, I'll, I'll, my wife and I will take your baby. And we'll even parent your child for a short while till you're ready to parent your child. Because they'll often say to me, well, are you going to adopt this baby? I said, you're darn right I'll adopt that baby. I'll take that baby. So, you know, pro-lifers put their money where their mouth is. And um, wow. and we've been doing it for years. I'm just I'm just uh, in the in the what, fourth or fifth generation doing it here uh, in, in our country. So, um, you know, we've been doing it for years, as you well know. Yeah, you know, I always tell people that this this kind of issue is not, you know, particular to America, even back in the Roman Empire back in those days. Now, back in those days, it wasn't the woman who chose the child. It was the man of the house who chose the child. And they would choose after the child was born, whether they wanted to keep it or not. And they would if they didn't want to, they would put those babies outside the city wall. And usually, you know, they would die either by exposure. Animals would come and devour them. And Christians started scooping them up because, and that's where the whole orphanage thing and all those things get. Cause we said, man, we can't let those children just die outside the wall. So that compassion goes back a long, long way. Hey, let me ask you this question because there's a lot of Christians right now who it did scare them to see what happened to you. And they are living more fearfully now of, well, what if I do this? Or what, what if I do that? And someone gets angry at me, could this happen to me? Um, I don't know that it, you know, we have religious liberty protections like we've never had before. The courts have been ruling very much in favor of us in the last couple of years, which is good because that's what the constitution says. But the reality is speak to some of that fear and just say, folks, we got to get over this fear if we really care about other people. Well, yeah, I, I would say God's grace is sufficient and, and you have to, see and i see that all of this is as it pertains to my wife and my children and what we've endured the victimization of uh, an overreach of the government has been a tremendous blessing i would say uh the whole world praying for me uh, come on i mean how can i how can i how can i see that as anything but a blessing so right. a lot of people have come up to me and said you know what what can i do and i said well, the first thing you do is go be where I can't be, right? Because I'm not allowed to go there. Well, I'll be there next week, but I wasn't allowed to go. And then secondly, I said, don't let my story affect your ability to fulfill the will of God in your life. You're called just like I'm called. And some people even had the audacity to tell me, well, you had a special grace to do what you do. I couldn't do what you do. I said, nonsense. No way. I, I don't go down there with some special grace, like somehow I can handle all sorts of insults and and disparaging slurs. And and my son was taught the F word at, at this abortion mill right. by Mr. Love. So, um, look, I recognize the dangers of being down there. I recognize the fears that are inherent in being in places because they're in the urban communities most of the time. And it's not always pleasant. But you know what? Jesus experienced all of this, even more than the persecutions that I'm experiencing. And 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 he tells us to follow him to take up our cross. And I got to tell you, Greg, to your audience, that 
my time in at the federal building when I was chained to the table was the closest I've ever been to Christ in my life. Mm-hmm. That if you want to be more like Christ, and aren't we all as Christians striving to be that way? Right. Well, the best way that I know is to suffer. And it's redemptive suffering. And so we know that suffering is not in vain. And so any insult or any attack or any any persecution you experience in going to a prayer vigil, um, boy, it, it's very meritorious for you, your soul, your family, and your journey as a, as a Christian. So I would just say, don't be afraid of that. Embrace right. it. Well, you know, you you point out something that we point out a lot is that God doesn't make you pay. You know, a lot of people think that God makes us pay. You know, there's this there's this nonsense that it's almost like karma, you know, just bad's coming back to get you. Well, Christ took all that on the cross for everybody. What what often happens when we're sent out as forgiven sinners, which is what we are, is we're sent out and the price to pay is when we face people who say, you know, I don't trust who you are. I don't think you're really authentic. And they make us pay a price to earn that authenticity so that they go, oh, wow, you really do care about me. And there's a God who actually does. So we get to pay that price, if you will, you know, to sure. deliver the goods of Jesus to people. And you're just doing it this way. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, well, we were glad to have you on. Before I let you go, you know, one of the things that was asked to you is, you know, uh, what next? And one of the things that that the government, I think, is finally starting to do and again, it's on the Republican side. I wish there should be Democrats that support you too. This, this is outrageous that that a, a sliver of the the what I call the secular progressive movement can demonize people like you. We should be against all of that. Everyone should stand on the side of truth and justice here. Um, you're going to be speaking in front of Congress, or at least they've invited you to. Uh, I, I I don't want to you know take your thunder away, but can you give us a snippet of what that what you might be telling them? Well, I, I think we're in the preliminary stages of, of of that investigation, whereby we will we will give testimony or, or will testify before the Judiciary Committee, and so that begins with a conversation with um, some of those on the committee, and then eventually I would be invited down to to receive questions on both sides of the aisle about the incident, and I'm sure it's not going to be pleasant. Uh, there's going to be a lot of things that I experience at the abortion mills being slung at me in the midst of all that. Right. And so, you know, we, we, we're just going to go with God and, and the Holy spirit and, and the guardian angels and, and just, and just let the truth be heard. And so I don't know what will be said or what will be asked of me, but I think the purpose of all that is to share the victimization, the overreach of government upon my family and the pure act of terror that it was. And Mm -hmm. so that both sides of the aisle can hear it from me as a father of seven children, how my children to this day are still in fear and and living with the realities of that day, um, which no one I think in Washington uh, even thinks about. So we want to make this real for them and to hear that that's irrefutable that my daughter tells me I'm afraid of Friday's dad and my son (laughs) play acts in his own play as a four-year-old little boy being an FBI agent banging on his sister's door, sister's door to come in there. And of course, terrorize his big sister. Well, please let us know, uh, you know, uh, when that day comes, because we will um, energize our people to pray on your behalf and we will stand there in spirit with you. And I know you're going to be back on the sidewalk again because you care about the women, you care about the families and you care about those children. So if there's a is there a website that people can go to if they want to get to know more about you? 
Yeah, sure. And they can they can learn uh, more at thekingsmen.org. And uh, there's a lot of links to different things we do there. But that's the that's the main site to, to learn more about me and, and what we do. Mark, it's been a privilege to have you uh, go with go with God's grace, as always. And we look forward to talking to you again in the future. I hope so, Greg. God bless you and your audience. Wow. What a program. This is what happens when regular people are committed to the things of the faith. Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our LCRLDC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Contained there are resources to empower your public square dynamic discipleship. Or check out our weekly Word from the Center opinion piece every Friday at facebook.com forward slash lcrlfreedom. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Greg Seltz. Have a great week. You've been listening to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. 